Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Recorded live. Forever honored, forever revered. May you always out loud be sovereign and supreme in the lives of every one of your people. Let not the rocks cry out, Lord God, and said, Hear the voices of your people. Let us, O oh God, praise your name throughout this earth. There is no other God worthy of the praise and the worship and the honor. There is no other Savior who is able to save from the uttermost. Ah, there is none other but Jesus. And there is no spirit but your Holy Spirit who indwells your believers and through them carry out your work, the work that Jesus our Lord began in the earth. So this morning, we stand before you before your congregation to minister. We dare not, I dare not do it, God, and apart from your spirit. So have your Holy Spirit, God, speaking to your humble servant. It's simple, the very word that you desire to be spoken on this morning. And let it be a liberating word, let it be a word of encouragement, let it be a word of God, of enlightenment, a word, Lord God, that would that will build your people up, edify them. Strengthen them, reaffirm in them that you are God and desire that there is none other. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. It is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray and that we give you thanks. Amen. 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 Our text is John chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. That's John chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. 14, or actually 13, excuse me, John chapter 1, 5, verses 1 through 13. John chapter 1, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. If you have your Bible, your smart tablets, your smartphones, on which you carry the Word of God, turn in your Bible to John chapter 5. We're going to read the first 13 verses. But before we do that, if you have your Bible, just lift those and make our declaration on this one. Repeat after me, if you will, please. If I receive this word with my mind only, this word will be dead for me. But if I receive this word with the Spirit over my mind, this word will be life for me. Lord, I don't need religious form and fashion, I need life. I look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, let's get some life in you on this morning. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. For the sake of time, I'm just going to choose our principal verse, and I know that this is a passage of that we're all familiar with, most of us, or at least some of us are familiar with, this fifth chapter of the book of John. The beloved. John, Jesus said in verse 6, he said to the man at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Sometimes wonder why God chose certain stories to be recorded in his word. The first conclusion I reached is because the stories are completely true and without error in their original recordation. Second is because there is a, there are messages, truths that we that he wants us want that he wants to convey to the world. That he wants everyone in the world to know and understand. For example, in Exodus, God said of the Egyptians concerning the release of Israel from bondage. 
and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them, that the Egyptians may know that his power was working through Moses and that God's name may be declared in all the earth. And then of the children of Israel, he said, I am the Lord. And that all Israel is to tell their sons, sons, what God did to the Egyptians, and they will know that I am the Lord. The Exodus was God's announcement to his to the people, to his people Israel and to the world that I exist, that I am all powerful, that I alone created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them, and that there is no God besides me in heaven or in earth. Everything else that the people of the earth call God, even our contemporary society, were and all are nothing but images formed from what God alone created. Wood and metal and stone and plastic. He wanted the world to know, and he still wants the world to know, that the only way to him at the time at the time was through Israel, but prophetically in our day through Jesus Christ, our Lord alone. There is no other way to God. You want God, wants to have a relationship with us, but there's only one way that that relationship can be forged or can be formed, and that is through Christ. Isaiah 42 and 6, God says, I, the Lord, when speaking of Jesus prophetically announcing his coming. He says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. And I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. See, not only was God concerned about the Jews, but God was concerned about all the other people of the earth. And they are, they are lumped into one word, and it's called Gentiles. Isaiah 49 and 6, indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that he should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. In Luke chapter 2, verses 30 through 32, God says through the through the disciple, through the apostle John, for my eyes have seen that your salvation, speaking of Simeon, which you have prepared before the face of all people. And that salvation about which Simeon is speaking is Jesus Christ, the baby that brought, that was taken on the eighth day and circumcised and, and dedicated to God in the temple. A light to bring us a revelation to the Gentiles. We understand that light reveals, exposes, made known that which was not previously seen, not previously known. God says Jesus Christ is going to be a, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people, Israel. See, just these three verses among the sea of verses points to God's desire to be known by all people of the earth. From the call of Abraham, and you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, even to the coming of Jesus Christ. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the people. I like to bring revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. God has not chosen any other way to himself. He has not ordained any other prophets outside of the Jewish Christian faith. And he has not inspired anyone else to preach any other gospel than that which is being preached in the Christian faith. 
Here's Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9. I mark that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to present, pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel of heaven preach any of the gospel to you, then that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And as, as we have said before, Paul is speaking to the Galatians now, and the reason Paul is speaking this way is because the Judaizers had come in and told the men that in order for them to truly be saved, they had to, or they had to be circumcised and they had to come under the authority of the Mosaic law. But what they did not take to the people is that the Judaic law, the Mosaic law, no longer was permanent to salvation, to deliverance of men and women and children from out of their sin. Jesus Christ became the fulfillment of the law, and he alone is the source of all salvation of men. So Paul is just telling them, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have, than what you have received, let him be a curse. Now, I've been to all politics and declaring the word of God. Every religion outside of the Christian faith is that is designed by the enemy of our souls to cause confusion and drive people away from the one only truth and living God. And they introduce prophets to deny people the truth that Jesus Christ is the way up to God, only way to God. John 14, 6, and I am the way, Jesus tells them. And it is very emphatic. There are no exceptions, no wiggle room, no loopholes. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except for me. John chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, Jesus says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I know Jesus is speaking in the third person of himself here, but here Jesus is saying that if you will honor me, you cannot possibly honor God. Because the only way God will recognize you is if you honor me, his Father. Don't honor me, you cannot honor God. You don't accept me, you reject God. You, there is no in-between. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. The only way. First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, God says, Jesus says to John the apostle, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, the Son of Christ, is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ that come to the flesh is not of God. I don't need to call any other religion. If you reject Jesus Christ, if you reject the word of God, then you are not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He knows he who knows God hears us. But he who does not but he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth, and we also know the spirit of error. That declares God, but denies Jesus Christ as the Son of God is false. Why? According to my Bible, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. There are those who declare that there is more than one immaculate birth. I beg to differ, because that too is bad teaching. Jesus was the only 
immaculate birth. To declare someone other than Jesus Christ as immaculate means that Jesus was the only person to live a perfect, sinless life. If that is the case, then Jesus Christ was born. He was born and he suffered and died in vain. Because someone else had already beat him to the purpose for which he was sent into the world. The world is not going to be defined as perfectly clean, neat, or tidy, free from flaws or mistakes. According to Catholic theology, it declares the person free from sin. Now, Mary, the mother of our Lord, is referred to as the Immaculate Conception. What the Roman Catholic doctrine declares is that God preserved the Virgin Mary from the taint of original sin, and from that moment, she was conceived. No disrespect intended, but that's blasphemous. We honor Mary, the mother of Jesus, as the chosen one by God to bring into this earth our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. But he alone was perfect in all his ways. He alone was able and did fulfill all the law. This truth is declared of no other man and no other person than Jesus Christ. Anybody that teaches any other gospel than that which has already been preached, let him be a curse. Let it be a curse. In our text, I wanted the same thing. Why was this story of the man at the pool of Bethesda recorded in John? What are we to learn from him? Jesus had some earlier time entertainment of Galilee a second time. The first time was when he, his disciples and his mother attended a wedding. At the wedding feast, wine had run out, and Mary, Jesus' mother, told him that they were out of wine. Jesus protested that his time had not yet come. However, Mary didn't accept that and instructed the servants to do what Jesus tells them to do. Jesus had the servants fill up six stone water pots holding either 20 or 30 gallons of water apiece. And after filling the pot, Jesus instructed the servants to pour some out and take it to the master of the feast. When the master of the feast tasted the water and turned to wine, he declared that the best wine was served last, which was counter-traditional. Unusually, the good wine was served first, followed by a lesser quality of wine after the people had drank much. This was Jesus' first miracle. After leaving Cana for a while, Jesus then returned. And upon his return to Cana the second time, he was met by a nobleman whose son was near death. This man pleaded with Jesus to come to his home and heal his son. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. The man believed Jesus and made his way home. He was near, as he was nearing home, his servants met him and informed him that his son would live. When the nobleman inquired as to the time his son Stephen wrote, the servant replied, yesterday at the seventh hour. Your time and my time at 1 o'clock p.m. Military time at 1,300 hours. It was at 1 o'clock. And when recalling that that was the exact time Jesus said your son lives, the man and his whole household believed. This was Jesus' second miracle when he entertained us. After this meeting, after some of the unspecified period of time had passed, there was a feast of the Jews in Jerusalem. John doesn't give us specifics about the feast. Instead, he immediately shifts our attention to a pool by the sheep gate, sheep, sheep gate rather, having five porches. And this pool was called Bethesda. And Bethesda means the house of mercy or flowing water. You see, the pool... The five porches were were uh, the five porches that were there had roofs supported by large columns. So within these porches lay, according to our scriptures, a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed. The reason they were there were so many on those porches is because they were all diseased. Everybody there had a problem. 
whether it was a mental problem, a psychological problem, whether it was a physical problem, whether, whether it was any kind of problem whatsoever. Every single problem was represented on those five portions. Every one of them. Every single problem. Every single disease. People here are complaining about we today. We say, oh, I have joint pain. Everybody they had them there, too. They were, they were, the problems were so bad, many of them could not walk. Some of them were limping. Some of them were just straight up sick, just lying there. Oh, I feel bad. That pool, Bethesda, is five porches. So Bethesda means, as I said, house of mercy of glory and war. And the five porches were supported by columns, and roof that was supported by columns. Within these porches lay great multitudes of sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed people. The reason they were there? Because they were all sick of disease. At a certain time, we're told, an angel of the Lord was stirred up the water, and the first person who entered the water was cured of whatever disease he had. Now, I might add that there is nothing spiritual about these healings in the sense that these people, we're not told that they repented of the, of the cause, but repented of their reasons for being there. All we're told is that they are physically healed. There's no indication of a spiritual healing. There's no indication of a spiritual deliverance. There's only a physical healing. And the multitude is represented of the state of, human, of the human condition apart from God. Sickness and the diseases reflect sin's effect upon the human race. Now, God wants to make us whole. Now, you want to ask the question, how does God make us whole? Our text points to three truths concerning our human condition and how God, and why, and one, how God makes us whole. See, there are three in the human condition, the ineffectiveness of man, the ineffectiveness of personal effort, and the effectiveness of Christ. We look at the effectiveness, the ineffectiveness of man, when Jesus asked the man, do you want to be made well? The man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. Jesus asked the man, do you want to be made whole? At first glance, it would, it would appear that the man isn't answering Jesus the question, do you want to be made whole? But I submit to you that in his response, he really does answer Christ. What do you know about? What do we know about this man? That is the question that I had. First, we know that he is one among a multitude of diseased men occupying a spot on one of the five porches around the pool of the The first thing we know. Second thing we know about him is that he has been there or has been there in his condition 38 years. Now, we're not talking about his age. We're talking about his condition. We don't know about, we don't know anything about his name. His name is irrelevant because he is representative of every human race. He is representative of you. He's representative of me. He's representative of our neighbor. He is representative of every individual on this earth or that will ever enter this earth. That is, he has been in his condition, my brothers and sisters, 38 years. How long have you been in your condition? How long have you laughed at God's word being preached? How long have you heeded God's man and woman for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? How, many, how long have you been laughing at and pointing fingers at the Christian? How long have you been denying Jesus Christ? And how long have you been persecuting Christians because of their faith in Jesus Christ? How long have you been in your condition? How long? They are some of you who have been in your condition a year, some 20, some 30, some 40, 50, 60, even 80 or 90 years. 
I recall visiting an elderly man in the hospital and I was sharing with him the gospel of Jesus Christ and I was inviting him to church and he said, when I get the right kind of clothes, I'm going to come. Listen, God does not care about what you have on your body. God cares about what you have in your heart. He wants your heart to be right. Clothes are for people who want to look down on you and make you feel bad because you don't have the right kind of clothes. When someone tells me something like that, you know what that tells me? That they feel inadequate. They feel bad about themselves. They, don't, they think that clothes are important, so important to salvation. No, 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 no. Not those kind of clothes. God wants to clothe you with spiritual clothes. He wants to clothe you with his spirit. And he wants to do that on the inside of you. God is not interested about Gucci or, or, or any of the other uh, fashion designers out there and the clothes. God doesn't care about Nike. He doesn't care about Converse. He doesn't care about Adidas. He doesn't care about persons and all of that stuff. What God cares about is you and I. You and I. Nothing else. Nothing more. He wants to know, can you be made, would you like to be made whole? That's all he wants to know. The third thing we notice about this man is that he relied on others for his healing. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool for the water and stir it up. Many years ago, I was in church praying for various people. And when I mentioned the name of one man, in my spirit, I heard God say, some people are the way they are for a reason. Some of the lies, some of the lies, some, of, some live lives recklessly, thinking we're injury-proof, thinking that we're indestructible. Some think they can drink, smoke, and do drugs, con- contract diseases for, 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 for because of promiscuity, treat your wife or your husband any way you want, and think there will be no consequences. You think that you're bulletproof. You think that you're imperative to harm the day. You think that you're perfect, that you can get by with anything, and you'll never get caught, and nothing will ever happen to you when you're wrong. This man was just like you and I. He was living life, doing whatever he wanted to do, trying to, trying to get over on this person, trying to get over on that person, please talk to this woman, please talk to that woman, trying to make it his way. He was a mad daddy. He was a, he was a philanderer. He was, a, he was an idiot thinking that he was cool. Now you're strung out on drugs. Now you're strung out on alcohol. 
Now look, you're standing on the street corner doing things you have no business doing. God did not want that for you, and you cannot blame anyone else. You are responsible for your actions. Admit that you have been in, condition, in your condition all this time because of what you did or did you do. Choices matter. You have to make the right choices, and if you don't make the right choices, whatever choice you make, my brothers and sisters, there are consequences, good or bad, or indifferent. And you're the one who will have to deal with them. But don't think that you're the only one that will suffer because of the decisions that you have made. Those closest to you, and depending on what you do, others will be affected by what you do, by your decisions. But listen, you're not alone. Every man, woman, boy, and girl was born with a sin nature. That is born with a sin towards sin. It is inescapable. If you want to blame someone, blame the first Sadly, many don't want to accept the original sin as the reason humanity is condemned. But the Bible clearly tells us that the human condition is the result of one man's disobedience. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, verse 16, 8, verse 17, 8. Therefore, just as through one man, sin enters the world, and death through sin, and thus death prays for all sin, because of all sin. Verse 16, 8, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Verse 17a, for if by one man's offense death reigned uh, through one, through the one. So relying on the help of other men to get you out of your sinful condition can't work, won't work, will never work at all. You need someone greater than another sinner to get you out of sin. See, one sinner cannot cancel out another sin. You're both sinners. Every human being on this earth is a sinner. So from an effectiveness, from the effectiveness of men, we come to the effective, effectiveness, ineffectiveness of a personal, of personal effort. Verse 7b, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. First, he relied on others to put him into the water when he was stirred up. Now he says that he was making his way under his own power. Somebody else beat him the water and heal before he gets there. What I hear this man saying is that he recognized his condition, but he didn't put forth much effort to resolve his condition. Too many people are complaining about what other people are doing. Many of you have the same choices and opportunities as the very people about whom you will complain. They took advantage and you didn't. They took it seriously and you took it as a game. So don't blame them. So don't hate. Celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Knowing not so much when the water would be stirred, but that the water would be stirred, why didn't he position himself near the edge of the pool? He even had his legs over. So that when the water was stirred, all he had to do was just fall in. Too many put off till tomorrow what needs to be done today. It's called procrastination. It's called excuses. It's called laziness. It's called complacency. Tomorrow is not promised. Someone gave the definition of insanity and doing the same thing and expecting different results. This man was 38 years in, the, in his condition, and he did not once position himself for his healing. And yet he says, no man would do it for him. And then when I then he wants to test it, because when someone needs the time, he wants to go, somebody needs to do it. Because someone has wanted it more than him. What is so striking about this man is that he was there for 38 years. Can you imagine how many times, how many opportunities were afforded him to be healed, and he was there for 38 years and never once made it to the water? How long will we complain about we should have done this and we could have done this if we really wanted to? Well, that's the truth. If you really wanted to, you would have. But the truth of the matter is you did not want it bad enough, so you did not go after it bad. You did not go after it. 
But don't hate somebody else. Don't complain about somebody else. Don't rob somebody else. Don't hold somebody else. Don't beat somebody else down because of your jealous of what they've achieved. That's not their fault. It's your fault. That stuff that they earned, they worked hard for it. They worked for it. They sweated for it. They, they struggled for it. They sweated for it. Some of them even bled and, and, and ended up in the hospital because they wanted it so badly. And they had it. And then somebody comes along like you and say, well, look at him. I think that she's all of that because she's got something. But look at him. Who does he think he is? Because he's driving this and he's dressed like that. Listen, don't hate That man was there for 38 years. How long have you been in your condition? And how long will it be before you decide to get out of or do something about your condition? Don't, don't hate. Celebrate yeah, that's lazy. 38 years. And this man has countless opportunities to be healed. For the angel came down at a certain season. Come on. It sounds to me like it was like hard work. Every soul, every time, on this day, every day, every day, on this day, at this time, the water was from the angel came down in trouble, the water. Well, I know that he comes down at a certain time. So why don't I position myself so that I can be healed of my sickness, of my condition, of my disease? And the truth is, even if he had fallen into the pool immediately following the stirring up of the water, his healing would only have been a physical healing. Making his way to the pool and falling into the pool for healing was not saving faith. It was a temporary faith. Too many people want the blessings of God without the commitment to God. Could that person, could the person that, that receives their miraculous healing from Jesus not be saved? I would say yes. Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood after she desperately sought out and pressed her way to touch the hem of his garment. Uh, he could be, and Jesus said to her, be a good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Is that a spiritual healing, or is that just a physical healing? Was that true faith leading to eternal life, or, what, or, what, or was it just desperate faith which served only to heal her physically? Was the Gentile woman, we sometimes refer to her as a Syrophoenician woman who had a daughter that was near death, and she came to Jesus, and the conversation went like, well, I have been sent to the life only to the law chief of the house of Israel. That's why I cannot give the food of the children to the dog. But the woman replied to Jesus, yea, Lord, but even the dog will be the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus said, I touched Jesus right in his heart. He said, oh, woman, how great is your faith. And at that moment, her daughter was delivered. Was she saved? Spiritually, was she saved? And was she delivered from her sin? We're not told. We can speculate and we can guesstimate, but we simply are not told. Was her daughter, as a recipient of that miraculous healing, was she saved? What we do know about the nobleman in his, his household is that when he realized that at the seventh, at the seventh, at the thirteen hundred hours, at the seventh, at the seventh hour, his son was healed. At exactly the time that Jesus said your son will live, he remembered and he gave his life to Christ, and he gave in his family, all his household, submitted their life to Christ. They were saved. We're not told that by the woman who the issue of us. We're not told that about the serial position woman. Uh, no. We are not even told that the daughter was saved. We want to think that all three committed their lives to Jesus and received eternal life. Paul declares that works cannot save. James said faith without works is dead, or rather, it rather is no faith at all. Salvation is God's spiritual deliverance of a person from his or her sin through genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith comes through hearing the word of God, John 17, 10, uh, 17, 17, 
for the 10, 17, rather than the Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. No one, no one can save him or her self outside of acknowledging who Jesus Christ is, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of many souls. God enables us to hear the gospel and to believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. That is the only role we play, the exercise of genuine faith in Christ. Outside of that, we can do nothing else. For 38 years, this man did precious little to get healed. From the ineffective assistance of, of others and ineffective personal effort, we come to our final truth, and that is the effectiveness of Christ. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. While the man was trying to get to the pool of the moving water, he did not recognize the giver of living water standing before him. But they, they asked him, they said, well, who told you to pick up your bed and walk? And he says, I don't know. Because there were so many people there, and he disappeared in the crowd. I just simply don't know. I can't tell you. I can't begin to tell you. But the living water, the God who sent the angel to stir the water was standing in his presence. And he did not know him. He came to his own as long as not received them. But to those who received them, he gave them the right to become sons of God. Uh, they did not even recognize him. Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it was, who it is that said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The living water was standing right there in front of him, and he did not know him. The living water was standing right there in front of her. She did not know him. And then on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. See, the living water about which Jesus speaks is the Holy Spirit. But Jesus Christ is the living water. Jesus Christ was speaking of the Holy Spirit. God himself is living water. The Spirit of God is the living water. They are living in the living of the world apart from Jesus Christ. People run after things in the world. Everything in the world is temporary. But what Christ offers to those who accept by faith of him alone uh, uh, for eternal life, those he offers eternal life too. First, by accepting Jesus Christ as the Son of God and inviting him into your life as your Savior and Lord, it frees you from the power of sin and death by snatching you from the hand of Satan. Everything eternal life offers you, salvation gives you, is the process, is eternal life, that the second process of salvation begins in your life. The first thing is Jesus snatches you from the hand of Satan and delivers you from the power of sin and death. The second thing that Jesus does is he gives you salvation. Salvation begins your new life. God declares you justified or you can't be called righteous. This righteousness is not because of anything you have done, but what Christ did on the cross Calvary. He gave his life in your place and mine so that you and I wouldn't have to suffer eternal separation from God. It's bad enough that we're in the earth and we're separated from God. It's not God's will that we be separated from him. God walked through the garden in the cool of the night of the day looking for Adam. That tells you that he's a God of relationship, that he's a God that you can approach, that he's a God that wants you to be with him. You can tell you tell me that he's a personal God, that he's a loving God, he's a caring God. No other man, no other creature, 
and the relationship that man has with God. No other man, no other creature can communicate with God the way man communicates with God. Why? Because God has made man in his image and in his likeness. He has given him the capacity to think, to reason. He has given him the capacity to rule and to lead. That's what that number six means when he says on the sixth day God created man. That number six is the number of authority, the number of power over all the earth. The man is to the earth what God is to all creation. Man has dominion over the earth. He's been given dominion and authority and power over the earth and all of his creatures and everything on it. We have a God who loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us. See, God declares us justified or righteous. And this righteousness is because righteousness is because of anything that you and I have done, but what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. He gave his life in your place and in mine. Next, you are, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. First, you are delivered from sin. Second, you are saved. Salvation. You are sanctified, set apart for God. Then you are filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And see, the Holy Spirit, therefore, teaches you. He guides you in all truth and will bring to your remembrance every word Jesus ministered during his earthly ministry, every act Jesus ever performed during his earthly ministry. The water that our Lord gives is an abundance and eternal life. Every man cannot save you, cannot save you, no amount of effort on your part can earn you salvation. Only Jesus Christ is the source of humanity's salvation. No religion will do it. In Jesus Christ and him alone is salvation received. Will you be made whole this morning? Will you be made well this morning? In other words, will you give your life to Christ that he may deliver you from the power of sin, the power of death, the fear of death, that from the hands of Satan, that you may live a victorious life both here in this earth and here and now and in eternity with God forever. I know that's rhetorical, but forever. An eternal life. And as I conclude, I want to close with this. God uses the pool to heal whoever first entered the water as after it was stirred as an example of God's grace that works in the lives of people. See, healing is God's divine grace. Forgiveness is God's divine grace. Love towards you and I is God's divine grace. Restraint by God from punishing us for the things that we do that we deserve to be punished for is God's divine grace. Second, the fact that the water in the pool was stirred points to God being active in his creation. Jesus said, my father works and I work. So that speaks of the eminence of God. What that means is that some people say God is dead. Some people say that God created heaven and earth and everything in it, and then he went on about his way and left it to fit for itself. But I'm here to tell you that God is alive and he is active in his creation. There is no amount of money. There, there is nothing anyone can say or do can disprove that God is real. When I look out in the sky, when I look out at the different colors of the sky, I know God is real. When I see the trees and the, the changing of the seasons, I know God is real. Because God is revealed, the power and the excellency of God is revealed by the things which have been made. There is no such thing as, as, as evolution where men crawl out of some marsupial mass and then all of a sudden he evolved from a, from a single cell to a multi-cell creature and then he rises up. There is no such thing as, uh, as men being evolving from apes. There's a movie cartoon called The Good Dinosaur. I had the misfortune of watching it one day. And a little boy was jumping around on all fours and howling like a dog. And they want us, and they was called back on. They want us to think that men evolved from apes. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is the devil talk. God created man in his image and in his likeness. That's what the scripture says. That's what we believe. Anything else is a lie from Satan. 
Those mercy in the palm of, of God's divine mercy, that is, I'm talking about the five portions in the pool of the medicine, I call that the palm of God's divine mercy had an opportunity to experience God's healing in their lives. Clearly, there was a healing faith being demonstrated by those who were present on the five portions of portico. Moving water produces life. The water in the pool represents cleansing. This cleansing occurred regardless of the person's condition, whether he repeated, whether he repented of sin, resulting in his condition or not. Jesus said to the man, See, you have been made whole or well. Do not sin again that you end up in a worse condition than the one you were in. God offers eternal life through Jesus Christ alone. Once you stop procrastinating, postponing and making excuses, salvation is promised right now. While you're able to receive it, you may not get another chance. You may not get another chance. I have no man to put me in the water because while I'm here coming, another step down before me. He told Jesus everything Jesus needed to know. And he's telling you and I everything that we need to know. So Jesus knew it already. We did not. He was depending on somebody else. He was depending on his own efforts. And he, every time he depended on somebody else, he let him down. When they were supposed to be there, they got there late. Or they did not get there at all. They made all kinds of excuses for why they couldn't be there. 38 years. And here's the terrible thing. The man says, while he is yet coming, which means he has the capacity, the physical capacity, to scoop and scoop and do something to get there. Because... He would not have said that if he had not been trying on his own. Too many of us keep going over and over in our head saying, well, if I do this, if I get this self-help book, if I get this, and if I, if I lose this weight, I can do this and I can do that. You can change the outside. But it is the inside that matters. The outside is nothing. Jesus says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The flesh does not profit anything. You cannot benefit by your own. In other words, your flesh, you cannot do whatever you want. You cannot save yourself by your own effort. Paul says, so by grace are you saved through faith. Grace of salvation is the grace of God extended to all humanity. You cannot save yourself. Only Jesus can save you. He is the only reason uh, that we are able to stand here this morning and, and point you to him. God loves you. That love is demonstrated by Jesus Christ on the cross nearly 2,000 years ago. That love. Jesus said, greater love than no, greater love than no man than this. That he laid down his life for a friend. Jesus said, see, you are my friend. I don't call you servants, I call you friends. Why? Because I have told you everything about me. So you know who I am. You know why I came. You know my purpose for coming. You guys, servants don't get that kind of information. We have the word of God. There's no other word we need for salvation. We have one God. We have a Bible that was written over 1,500 years to write. And he wrote it through 40 men under the anointing and watchful eye of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Because when God spoke his word to create all things, the word of Jesus Christ, the active agent within the Word is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God watched over the creation to make sure that the Word of God completed everything that it was pregnant with, that it had been, it been infused with. All the know-how, the design, the blueprint, the, the, the materials, the, the requisite materials, everything. 
all this pain within the word of God. And Isaiah 55, God says, His word does not depart from him, Lord, nor does it return to him, Lord, but that it accomplishes the very faith for which he set it forth to accomplish. The word of God is this. God has spoken through no other prophets other than those identified in, 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 in the Jewish faith and in the, and in the, in the Christian in the New Testament. No other faith on earth. Every other religion is false. It is the work of the devil. Jesus Christ is real. And you hear this message. You want to give your life to Christ on this morning. We urge you to do so. We urge you to consider giving your life to Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. Jesus is calling your name. It's because of who he is and what he's done and where he's been that he can guarantee that you can start all over again. Whoever you are, man, woman, boy, or girl, God is ready right now to turn your situation around. Doesn't matter. He wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Secondly, if you're seeking a Jesus church home in the spirit of the Lord, then speaking to you to become a part of Jesus Christ's ministry global. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. This is the place I want to call home. On my way to my heavenly home, then we welcome you thirdly if you are a backslider. You want that joy restored in your life because you cannot have the right kind of joy apart from Christ. God says he will give you, he says come to him wherever you are and he will receive you back. So return to him on backslide. If you seek in the fullness of his Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, God says, the day that you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as those in the day of provocation. The Jews, they kept moaning and groaning and whining and complaining, wishing that they had stayed in Egypt, at least in Egypt. They were crying out and screaming and they were being abused, and yet they wanted to go back and be with Egypt because they didn't want to put forth the effort to trust God and move forward. After seeing all that God had done to deliver them, yet still they complain. They think that God, if you brought us out of Egypt just to kill us out here. They got tired of eating the man, so they started complaining about that. How many of you know that there's so many people that are ungrateful for what they had? So many that anger God. So God says to them, don't do like your forefathers did. Don't complain and murmur. Believe, and you can receive me. Jesus said in Mark, what sort of things you desire when you pray? Chapter 11, believe you receive them, and you will have them. God promises to give us the desires of our heart. my, My caution to you and to me is be careful what you ask for. Be sure that what you're asking for is within the will of God. If it's in God's word, and it is supposed to bring glory to God, then God will give it to you. But do not ask in this, and do not ask doubt. Because if you're double-minded, you won't get anything from God. God is looking for those who want so that they can help others. God is looking for those who want so that they can proclaim his name and lift his name up. Lift up the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Where you are, if you're in need of prayer, come to the altar. God answers prayer. Not only does he hear, but he answers. His promise to answer us. He didn't give us a time and this is time frame that he would answer in. But he promises the answer. And that's enough for me. That is enough for me. Now, I've been waiting a long time, and I'm going to continue to wait. One day, I'm going to see every chair filled. When they hear voices crying out to God for the messages that are being preached by His Spirit, lives are going to be changed. Children are going to be saved. 
father's heart when they return to their children, and their children's heart will return to their father. All manner of things are going to be working out for this ministry. And when it does, all glory and praise and honor go to God through his son, Jesus Christ. By the glory of God, the work of his son, the work of his Holy Spirit, the souls will be saved. Cities will be saved. Nations will be saved. I believe it with all my heart. You said you are my pastor and you're going to bring the ocean to me. I believe it with all my heart. There are times I get discouraged, yes. But I never lose heart. I never lose faith. I believe God. I look forward to his doing what he has called me to do. And he is doing through me. Because it will be by not by might or by power. It will be by his spirit. And when it breaks, it's going to break. And everybody in their brother says, I'm looking for me. But my eyes are not going to leave the focus of my soul. My eyes will not leave Christ. My heart will not close itself to the voice of the Spirit of God. I am the temple of God. And one day, this ministry will be known worldwide because we will plant multiple ministries in multiple locations in every nation around the globe. And when that happens, souls will be saved. We will go where there is anger and hatred and bitterness, where Christians are being persecuted. We will go. Wherever the Lord sends us, we will go. Whatever he instructs us to do, we will do. Because God told me that he's building an army that does not care what people think or think about him. Their purpose is them. Their purpose is to serve him. And that's what we're here about, to serve God through Christ. So if you're here and you want to give your life to Christ, come. If you need prayer, come. There is life after death. Hebrews chapter 9, somewhere around 27th or so verse, the Hebrew author said, It is appointed for every man to die once. And then the judgment. There is a judgment, my brothers and sisters. I know that there are some who teach us that we're stupid for believing that there's a real God. That we're stupid for believing that we will live forever. These are the people that don't know God, that don't know perhaps a personal relationship with God. They deny Him and depend upon themselves only. And yet they spend hours trying to reach nirvana. Where all they have to do is open their hearts and hear the gospel and be saved. They will find eternal life and joy, peace and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. But they won't. And it's sad. 927, as it is appointed for men to die once, but after that, the judgment. So Christ was all at once to bear the sins of men. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. And that salvation about which this Hebrew author is speaking is that eschatological salvation, that consummation, that final salvation, where you will no longer suffer sin, you will no longer suffer sickness or disease or pain or suffering of any kind. You will be delivered from all of it, the effects of this earthly life, because you will have a new body. Your old body will pass away, and you will be like angels. We will be like angels. Whoever you are, I thank you for hearing the word of God. Father, we thank you today, this morning, for the deliverance of your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for opening our eyes and teaching us on this morning.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.